Chapter Twelve of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. No Quarter by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Twelve: A Combat in a Quarry. The man and woman left behind, as they stood vis-a-vis, -vis, presented a striking appearance such a pair in juxtaposition were a sight not often given to the eye he some inches the taller though well matched as regarded the distinction of the sexes but both of towering stature with air so commanding that one who could have seen them there and then would not have given a thought to the coarseness of their apparel or if so instantly forgetting it looking at their faces in their eyes as they met in mutual gaze he would have noticed something of a nature to interest more than any quality or fashion of dress the light of love for they loved one another warmly and perhaps as purely and tenderly as if their hearts had been beating under robes of silk no words of love passed between them now if they intended speaking much they held them in reserve till matters more pressing should be disposed of upon these the man entered at once asking heard you anything about me when yes rob what they have been wondering how ye managed to get out jail and blame will morgan for lending ye a hand day afore yesterday a party came over from lydney with that young officer as be with sir john winter trevor i think they call him yes that's the name i know him well enough too well twas he as took me in the high meadows oh it was well he have taked will too and carried him away to litany where sir john he now got a jail of his own there were some trouble about it the lord herbert who's governor at the monarch claiming him as his prisoner but the others said as yours were a case of deer-stealing in the forest and will had helped he ought both be taken before sir john and tried by him he being head manot then lord herbert gave in and let them take him off will did help ye a bit didn't he more'n a bit but for him liker than not i'd now be in their lock-up at lydney well if he be goed there he mayn't haste so long to stay as they think for won't if what i've heard be true what ye heard rob some news has just come down from lunan it's said the king's been chased out it and the parliament be now having it all their own way supposing that's the case sir john winter won't hay it all his own way much longer we foresters'll deal we him different from what we've been a-doin and bout that i hae got word o something else what something a man they say's comin down here from lunan too one o the right sort friend o the people besides a soldier as hae seen foreign service and is reckoned mong the best and kindest of men i think i know who ye mean rob ain't it sir richard walwyn 
that's the man he warred hollymead for he went away to the wars i seed him many's the time he used to often ride past our place and always stop to hey a word and a joke we jack that makes me remember him and if i beant mistook somebody else he remembers of him in a different way and ain't like ever to forget him oh one of the young ladies o hollymead the older one miss sabrina i hae heard as much from the house servants there just the shadow of a cloud had shown itself on rob's brow as wind commenced giving her reminiscences of the knight who had been visitor at hollymead and used to crack jokes with jerky it passed off however ere her relation came to an end well dear wynne he said speaking more tenderly from consciousness of having laboured an unjust suspicion they say sir richard be comin down to raise soldiers for the parliament if that be so one of the first to join them will be rob wild and maybe the biggest if not best in the fighting line you'll be the best rob i know you will who could equal you at which he threw open her arms then closed them round his neck covering him with kisses in all probability many soft words and much tender concourse would have succeeded this outburst of admiration but the opportunity was not allowed them just then they heard a clattering of hoofs horsemen coming down the road from rardine at a gallop rob setting his ears to listen could tell there were two of them but nothing more nothing to admonish him whether they were friends or enemies but with the consciousness of having stolen deer and broken jail twenty to one are they being the latter reflected he in any case prudence counselled him hiding himself and letting the horsemen pass by his first impulse was to spring back up the bank leaving the woman in the road they could have nothing against her whoever they were but they were near now still riding rapidly and before he could scramble to the summit of the slope would be sure to see him just then a hiding place handier and more easily accessible came under his eye a break in the bank just opposite which he knew to be the entrance of an old limestone quarry long abandoned he would be safe enough in there at least from observation by any one passing down the road whether or no it was now hobson's choice with him the trampling was louder and clearer and but for an abrupt bend of the road above he could have seen the horsemen as they him no alternative therefore but to cut into the quarry which he did the woman with him scarce were they well inside it when the hoof strikes ceased to be heard the horses had been suddenly pulled up a colloquy ensuing hello jerky it began on your way from monmouth market i suppose yes your honour just that but where's your big sister i've met you scores of times along the roads though never without her i hope there's nothing amiss oh nothing sir she be wi' me now close by coming up the pitch only hay-legged a bit behind well jack i won't detain you as i must not be lagging myself 
i want to reach ross before the night's on good-bye old cadge at that the dialogue came to an end and the hoof-strikes were again heard now coming close only for a minute or so when a second colloquy was entered upon this time one of the voices being different rob wilde knew them both had long ago recognized the one that held speech with the cadger and had reason to feel keenly apprehensive as he listened far more now as the words of the latter dialogue dropped upon his ears old timbertoe said his sister was just behind i don't see anything of her and certainly she's not one there should be any difficulty in making out even at a league's distance hey what the deuce is that and reginald trevor again reined up for it was he with his servant a basket it appears to be captain answered the man with a bottle in it yes he added after drawing closer lifting it from the ledge and peering into it something besides the bottle bread cheese and bacon where there's so much smoke there should be some fire reflected his master who had halted in the middle of the road then thinking it odd he saw nothing of the cadger's sister and noticing the gap leading into the quarry it occurred to him she might be there partly out of curiosity and partly from an intuition which the basket of provisions had done something to inspire he headed his horse at the opening and rode in soon as inside an exclamation rose to his lips in tone which told of more than surprise there was triumph exultation in it for there saw he not only the woman missing from the road but a man the same who had been for some time missing from monmouth jail the bushes in the old quarry were not thick enough nor tall enough to give either of them concealment and they were standing erect without further attempt at seeking it ho oh, oh, ho my giant cried the officer it's here you are making love to jerky's sister and a pretty pair of lovebirds too ha <laughs> ha that explains the basket of eatables and drinkables what a pity to interrupt your billing and cooing but i must so master rob dear stealer and jailbreaker he added drawing his sword come along with me you needn't trouble about bringing the basket in the lydney lock-up i'll see to your being fed free of expense when you get me there rejoined rob in defiant tone as he spoke pulling from under the breast of his doublet a long-bladed knife and setting himself firm for defence this was unexpected by the king's officer who had not thought or dreamt of resistance it was there however in sure stern shape and he felt himself committed to overcoming it with a prick of his spur he sprang his horse forward and straight at rob as though he would ride over him his sword held ready for either cut or thrust but neither gave he nor could as the horse's head came close to him the colossus lunged out with long arm and sent the point of his knife into the animal's nostrils which caused it to rear up and round squealing with pain this brought his riders back towards the man who had pricked it and before he could wheel again reginald trevor was in the embrace of him he had jokingly called giant realizing 
that he had the strength of one as he was himself dragged out of his saddle but they were not the only combatants in the quarry for following his master the servant had made to assist him in his assault against the big man taking no note of the big woman or fancying she would not interfere in which fancy he was sadly mistaken for in scrimmage his back becoming turned toward her as if taking pattern by rob she sprang up caught hold of the lightweight groom and jerked him to the ground easily as she would have pulled a bantam cock from out one of the jenkins panniers in less than threescore seconds after the affair began reginald trevor and his attendant were unhorsed disarmed and held as in the hug of a couple of bears i'll let ye go said rob to his prisoner after some rough handling when ye say ye won't take advantage of my generosity by renewing the attack bah he added without waiting for response i'll put that out of your power saying which he caught up the officer's sword and broke it across his knee at the same time releasing him the blade of the attendant was treated likewise and both master and man were permitted to rise to their feet feeling vanquished as weaponless you can take yourselves off sneeringly said the deer stealer and as ye talked about being in ross for nightfall you'll do well to make quick time not a word spoke reginald trevor in reply nor thanks for the mercy shown him too angry was he for that his anger holding him speechless because of its very impotence in sullen silence he regained the bridle of his horse like himself having lost spirit by copious bleeding of the nose climbed back into the saddle and continued on down cat's hill his var lay behind him both swordless and yet more crestfallen than when they rode out through the gate of hollymead park we're in for it now win said rob to the cadger's sister after seeing them depart and we've got to look out for danger i'm sorry about you having to share it but maybe it won't be so much after all once sir richard gets here and the fighting begins as it surely must soon trust me for taking care of ye i will i do rob and again the great arms were thrown around his neck while upon his lips were showered a very avalanche of kisses End of chapter 12 Recording by John Brandon